huh? Right. Praise the Lord for Facebook and social media. Um, thanks again for, for coming and being the church. If you came in uh, after we greeted you, um, thank you so much for, for choosing to worship here with us. Uh, we're talking about Christmas because today is Christmas. Um, one of the things we realize about our world is that our world is driven by, by news. Right? What would our world be like if, if new things didn't happen every day? This world is constantly about change. Um, imagine if you were to open up USA Today tomorrow and you were to read about last week's news. You would say, you would read all this stuff, and you'd say, you know what, that's so yesterday, that's so last week. Why would they print this? The reason why newspapers are in business is because there's always news, new stuff happening, right? If it was last week's stuff, it wouldn't be called news, it would be called olds, right? The reason why news is newsworthy is because it's new. And if something new is happening, it means that there's been a change from yesterday to today, right? Our world is driven by a need for change. There's a part of our lives that, that needs to see change happen, and we're always longing, always longing for that next thing that's going to change our world forever, right? Aren't we into things like this? We talk, think about how much Facebook has changed our world. And what if, uh, you know, the, the people in the, in the Jesus story really did have Facebook? What a different way uh, it would have been for all that stuff to play out. We're always looking for the next game changer, that event, that innovation, that invention, uh, that person who's going to change the course of history forever. Now, you know things like the printing press, right? Once the printing press was, was, uh, was invented, the, the history of the world was forever shaped because of that. Now the masses were able to get uh, books and, and literature that before was only relegated to a certain people because they couldn't have access to it all. The printing press was a game changer that, that completely changed the history of the world. We're constantly looking for what that next thing will be. Think about what life would be without our smartphones. Right? Uh, what life would be like without the iPhone, without the Droid. When these things first started coming out, people said, this is going to change your life forever. It's going to make you so productive. And for better or for worse, it has changed our lives. We're constantly attached to news, constantly attached to people trying to get in touch with us. And like I said, for better or for worse, our world has been changed because of smartphones. I think of things that we're we're constantly on the lookout for. What's that next thing that's going to change and and transform our lives forever? When uh, people say, when they talk about football, they they don't talk about this much the last couple weeks, but whenever the Broncos would play, They would say, oh, Denver was getting beat up so bad, and there was no hope. And then with two minutes left, it was Tebow time. And once Tebow decided that it was Tebow time, and all around the world, grown men and women and little children alike would start Tebowing, and then the rest would be history because that is the game-changing moment. We're always looking for the next game changer, the next innovation. And sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. Did you know there's, there's this innovation curve that says whenever a new product comes out or something comes out, uh, 2.5% of the population, 2.5% of the population, they're the innovators. They're the ones who's responsible to create these, these game-changing, world-changing, future-changing things. People like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or whoever it might be. 2.5% of the people are like that. 13% of the people are the earliest ones to get in on it. As soon as a product comes out, they find out on CNET or they find out on, on Apple.com or whatever it is. They're the 13% of the people are the ones who jump on it. And they say, you know what? I've got to get this. Sink or swim, I'm going to get it. They're always the ones with uh, the, the iPhone 4S before anyone else has it. That's, that's them. 34% of the people are the early majority. They're the kind of people who say, you know what, as, as news starts coming in, that's a pretty good thing, they jump on it. 34% are the late majority who say, you know what, uh, since it, it sounds like it's a pretty good deal, I know the iPhone's been out for about six years or whatever, I'll, I'll finally get in, I'll finally get in on it. And then the rest of the percentage of people are the skeptical people who say, I'll get it only if I have to get it. 
If I have to get it in order to survive, I'll get it. It's kind of like our parent generation who says, you know what? In order to see pictures of you because you don't send me any pictures, I need to get on Facebook. Isn't that the scariest thing? When you get a Facebook invite from your parents, you're like, oh, my gosh, what's the world coming to? Because we're always looking on the lookout for these game changers, things that will simplify our lives or make make our, our lives so much better. Sometimes we're right about it and sometimes we're wrong. Back in the early 2000s, there was this product that I remember hearing about. I forget who, what the inventor's name was, but he started touting it as being the future. It's going to change the future of the world. It would change how we do transportations. It would make uh, automobiles and motorcycles obsolete. That this will completely revolutionize the world. It is environmentally safe, environmentally friendly, and they said it would be unveiled in about a year. And everyone, there was all this buzz about it. Do you guys remember this? They called it, they called it it. They said it is coming. Do you guys remember this, anyone? Okay, uh, Hong. <laughs> okay, a couple of us remember. It was the Segway, right? It was the Segway. And they said, everyone is going to own this thing, and it's going to completely revolutionize life. Uh, I don't know anybody who owns it now, because sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong. They, they say some of the, the, the fault was that when they advertised, the first picture of the Segway had these men, like, dressed in business suits, and they had this, like, goofy-looking hat on, helmet on. And it's supposed to, a couple things were wrong with it. They said, this is like the safest thing ever. And they're, they're complaining, if it's so safe, then why do you need a helmet? But also the fact that they're wearing a helmet with this business suit made them look incredibly dorky. And so they said, the market for this is going to be people who want to be incredibly dorky. And so it didn't end up working out. But a lot of times we have these ideas of what could and what won't change the world. And we want to get in on that so that we can have our lives shaped and changed before everybody else can, or not, not necessarily before everyone else, but so that our lives can be changed as well. We're always on the lookout for the next game-changing thing, event, person, product, innovation, whatever it might be. This morning, as we celebrate Christmas, I want to talk about what is arguably the most game-changing event in the history of the world, the most game-changing person that the world would ever know, um, this man, Jesus Christ. So as we uh, open our Bibles. If we could turn to Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12. And just read Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus or what happened soon after the birth of Jesus and how the imprints of this baby who would become a carpenter would forever change and rewrite the history of our world. It's Matthew chapter 2. I'm going to read verses 1 through 12. This is God's word. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, 
and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. This is God's word. Uh, If you were here last week, if this passage sounds familiar, it should be. Um, This is a passage that uh, Brother Peter spoke from last week. Um, But there's only really two uh, main passages from Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel that tell the Christmas story. Uh, So I want to just kind of touch and go off of this passage to talk about uh, how Jesus is uh, the game changer that would forever shape the history of our world. Uh, when I think any, any parent will know that whenever a child is born, uh, your world will forever change. Remember when Olivia and I were expecting our first child, our senior pastor, um, Pastor Inky, said to me, David, now you're about to become real men. <laughs> I said, I thought you said that when I was about to get married. I didn't really say that, but I, that, that's what I was thinking, because he's always saying, I'm about to become this, I'm about to become that. When you have a child, he says, you're about to become a real man, because we all know that having a child will forever change the way that you live. I know uh, folks like Eugene, when he was uh, preparing for his daughter, painted uh, a room and, and created all of these, these new things. And, and for, for those men who have daughters... Uh, we have to completely change the way that we think. No more is it about like rough and tumble and tackling them. It's about, oh, we have to be gentle. We have to be like loving and, and pat their hair and things like that. And we have to completely change the way we do life and relate to these little creatures called our children. When you have a baby, everything about your life changes. You think about who's going to deliver the baby, where the baby's going to be born, and, and all of these things. You make announcements and have baby showers. That's, if, that's what happens when you have one child and, and, and the ripple effects that that child has in your life. But can you imagine... What kind of child is it whose birth was announced 700 years before his arrival? Whose place of birth was announced 700 years before? But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, it says in verse 6, are by no means least, for out of you will come a ruler. Hundreds of years before this child was born, they picked a place where he was to be born. What kind of a child is this? And what kind of a child is this that from the day he was born inspires such love from people far away from the east, the wise men, the magi, and yet at the same time inspires such hatred by people like King Herod, who was disturbed, literally says he was frightened, he was shaking in fear. What kind of a child is this who from the day that they're born and even before that would forever cause this kind of an effect in our world? What kind of a child is this? See, whether you believe in this Jesus, who he says he is or not, whether you think he's a good teacher or you think he was the Messiah, as the Bible says he is, whatever you believe about him, it is absolutely and utterly undeniable the effect that he has had in our world. And and folks like Rodney Stark, Tim Keller, John Ortberg, and and there's books that have been written about the influence that Jesus Christ has made on our, our culture and our civilization. But you cannot go a day without seeing the influence of Jesus Christ in our lives, whatever it is that we believe about him. Every time you open up, you turn on your computer and you see the date. Every time you look at your cell phone and you see the date. Every time you open a newspaper, I don't know if you do this anymore because you just read it online, but still, every time you open up a webpage that has a newspaper and it says the date, you know exactly how far you are, according to, the, according to their estimations, exactly how far you are from the time that Jesus Christ was born. His life will forever shape ours. And the fingerprints of his life are all over the world that we live in. It is unmistakable and it is completely and utterly undeniable as well. When you go, uh, maybe some of y'all were watching football yesterday and your favorite team is playing. 
and your favorite team lost. They needed to win in order to make the playoffs, and they didn't win. Or your fantasy football team lost in the playoffs, or whatever it is. People don't yell in times like that. And you guys wouldn't do this, but your friends might do this. They don't yell, Abraham Lincoln, why did you drop the ball? Or they don't yell, oh, Mahatma Gandhi. Why? They yell the name of Jesus Christ. Because whether you like him or not, his influence on the world that we live in is completely and utterly undeniable. It is unmistakable, regardless of what we think, he has impacted history. It is his life that divides history into two parts, before his coming and in the time of our Lord. Again, whatever you believe about him, we cannot escape his presence in our lives. It was, I think, Philip Yancey who said, you can judge the size of a ship by the size of the wake it leaves behind. See, Jesus Christ is the greatest ship that has ever sailed. Though he lived just 33 years and only three and a half of those years were in public ministry, the ripple effects of his life continue throughout every continent and on every, in every country, there are people who follow this crucified carpenter named Jesus. Why? What kind of a child is this who was born on Christmas Day? Who is this child? Who is this Jesus? It's very interesting that he can have such a polarizing effect on people. Whether, whatever you think about him, whatever you think about him, you cannot ignore and cannot deny who he is. Either you will love him and embrace him as the wise men did. We've come to worship him. Or you will hate him and fear him and be disturbed because you think he will usurp the authority of your life. Whatever, wherever you are, there's only two options that we have. Either we will love him or we will hate him. It's like a, a giant magnet that either attracts us to him or repels us from him. Regardless, the effect of Jesus Christ on our world from the day of his birth and even before, from the time of it, the, that moment has forever shaped our lives. What would have happened if Jesus Christ had not entered into our world. If Jesus hadn't come, there would be no more, there would be no Christmas. There'd be no Christmas songs. There'd be no Christmas carols. There'd be no Frosty the Snowman. There'd be no, I don't know, jolly old St. Nicholas, no Santa Claus to celebrate. St. Nicholas wouldn't have been around because there wouldn't have been a saint without Jesus, right? No Christmas, no eggnog. Imagine that, right? <laughs> no uh, reindeer, no, no large people coming down chimneys. Christmas is weird. You know, we, so I, I remember reading, where, when else do you, well, what other time of year do you sit in front of a dead tree? What other time in life do you eat candy out of a sock? Who does that? But Christmas has forever changed the way we live life. Without Jesus coming, there would be no Christmas, no Charlie Brown Christmas. No A Christmas Carol. No A Wonderful Life, no Grinch, no Scrooge. There'd be none of that stuff. There'd be none of that stuff. There'd be no Easter, no Easter eggs, no Easter bunny. Our world would be completely unrecognizable. There'd be no church. There'd be no KPCO, no Harvest, no Vision Church, no Kingdom Keepers. We would probably not know each other. There would be no saints. I, uh, we have some people who are visiting from St. Paul, Minnesota. You wouldn't have a town. It wouldn't be called St. Paul. There would have been no saints. Paul would go down as one of the most vicious murderers in, in all of human history. No St. Peter, 
no St. Petersburg, no jokes about St. Peter, no St. John's. St. John's University, we have one student who goes to school up there. There'd be no St. John's University. Talk about colleges. 92% of the first 138 colleges in America were founded because they believe that Jesus Christ is a foundation of all knowledge. In fact, that's the mission statement of Harvard University. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, William & Mary, where, where some of our people went. We'd have no higher learning. America probably wouldn't be here because our our founding, quote-unquote, founding fathers left England because they wanted to worship this king who was born on Christmas Day with freedom of conscience. We probably wouldn't have a country. And if we did, our founding documents would be completely different. Completely different because our founding fathers said, how can we build a nation apart from the principles found in the Bible, there would be no teachings of Jesus Christ. You would never hear people saying, hey, you're a good Samaritan. You never hear anything like that. You never hear people say, well, the prodigal son has come running home. You never hear, turn the other cheek, forgive your enemies, love those who hate you. You never hear anything like that. The world will be completely unrecognized, no salvation army because there would be no salvation. No red cross because no one understood a cross was a killing machine. Why would, I, why would, there, why would we hail a cross? No Red Cross, no YMCA, Young Men's Christian Association. No, there wouldn't even be that song. What would, what would weddings be without YMCA? Weddings would be completely different without Jesus Christ. Our world would be unrecognizable. You see, this is our Jesus who came into our world. And the reality is, okay, the reality is whether, again, whether you like him or not, whether you believe in him or not, whatever, you, whatever it is you think about him, the effects of his life on our world are completely undeniable. If there ever was a game changer in this world, it would be Jesus Christ. Apart from him, our world would be completely and utterly different. Who is this Jesus? Yaroslav Pelikan, he's a historian at Yale University. He said, if you were to somehow, if you were to somehow take a super strong magnet, I said this last year during Christmas service, but if you were to take a super strong magnet and just hold it over all of human history, take this super magnet and hold it up and it were to suck up every piece of metal that had any trace of a resemblance to bearing the name of Jesus Christ, then what would be left? No Handel's Messiah, no Hallelujah Chorus, no Sistine Chapel, no Last Supper. There'd be none of that stuff. See, the effects of Jesus Christ on our world are undeniable. His fingerprints are all over the world. Okay, no matter what we think about him, the reality is that in the 20th century since his life, there has been no greater influence on all of Western civilization and culture than this man, Jesus Christ. Who is he? Who is this person? One thing is clear, that he has changed the world. But another thing is clear, that Jesus Christ came not only to change the world, but he came to change individual lives. Are there any of us in here who are in need of some change today? Maybe you're too greedy, or you're too proud, you're too lazy, or too lustful too ambitious, too selfish, too driven, too disrespectful, whatever it might be. Anyone here in need of change? Don't we all long for change? I think we, that's, why we, that's why when we watch shows like Biggest Loser and we, we, we see people and, and, and they get on the scale, it's a, basically it's a show where people who want to lose weight get on and, and whoever loses the most weight is called The Biggest Loser. And at the end of every show, they get on the scale 
and it shows how much they weigh, and it says either they've gained weight or lost weight. That's why whenever someone goes on the scale on Biggest Loser, and we're holding our, 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 our breath, just waiting and, 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 and wanting and watching and, and longing to see, and when it says since last show to this show, negative 18 pounds, negative 20 pounds, we, there's something that skips in our heart. There's something that, 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 that is, moves us to, I don't know why. A lot of times when I watch shows like Biggest Loser or you watch Extreme Makeover, how can you watch shows like that and not cry? Because you see before your eyes the living effect and you see before your eyes, with your own eyes, the fact of someone who was broken and now they're, they're, they're receiving something that is going to change their lives forever. Because we all long for that. I don't care who you are. I do care who you are, but I don't care who you are. We all long for change. We all need to be changed. No matter how good we look, no matter how well things are going, we all need to be changed. In, in Ecuador, we had a, a wonderful team, amazing team. And there was this one conversation I, I didn't actually hear with my own ears. This great conversation that was had by these two girls on our team who are not exactly the paragon of ghetto-ness on our team. Well, there was one girl, Sandra, she was sitting there. We're all sitting on the bus. And Sandra was sitting there confessing her addiction. You know, the TV show, My Strange Addiction, they're talking about, oh, you know, I'm addicted to eating ashes. I'm addicted to eating the foam from uh, the furniture. N- none of our people said that, but that's what the show says. And so Sandra was confessing her addiction to chocolate. And I, I think what ha- was happening, she was eating all this chocolate. And one of the guys on the team, seeing that she was eating all this chocolate, offered her some Twix. Said, oh, Sandra, would you like some Twix? And she, because she'd been eating so much chocolate, she said, no, no, no. Okay, I'll have it. And so another one of our girls, out of loving concern for our addicted sister, Hannah Gooney, said to her, girl, you need to lay off that chocolate. And Sandra's response was, girl, I just can't stop. (laughs) We're like, what in the world just happened? What was that conversation all about? But I think that's a microcosm of a universal issue and a universal struggle. That we all have things in our lives over which we say, girl, I just can't stop. Maybe you're addicted to something. Maybe you're addicted to the approval of people. Or you're addicted to the attention of the opposite gender. Or you're addicted to certain places on the website that feed your pleasure. Or you're addicted to certain habits that are destructive in life. Things in your life that you know I shouldn't do. And yet at the same time, you say, girl, I just can't stop. And it's the cry of your heart rather than just a statement that you make in response to what somebody says. I don't know if you're in here and you're in need of change because there are things in your life that you say about which you say, you know what, I just can't stop. The reality is that Jesus Christ came to break every chain, not only in the world, but in your life. He came to break chains of addiction, to break chains of self-hatred, to break chains of, 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 of feeling like you have no worth in life. He came to break all these chains. Jesus Christ came to do that, not only in the world, but in your life and in mine as well. If that's why he came, wouldn't, if, you were, if, you were the, if you were Satan, wouldn't it be one of the greatest tricks, one of the greatest tactics that you would use during this day that we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ? to throw so many distractions into your life, so many gifts to buy, 
So many cards to write. So many lights to hang up. So many people to see. So much to do that we end up, instead of celebrating the child who is the light, we wish that Christmas would just be finished. How many times have you said, why did they start Christmas songs so early? Just give us time. I'm sick and tired of these Christmas songs. Wouldn't it be a great trick if you were the enemy, if you were the devil, to say, make them sick of songs that celebrate the entrance of our Savior into the world? To throw things like reindeer and throw things like elves and throw things like jolly old St. Nicholas to distract us from what Christmas is all about because he fears losing us from his evil clutches. If this were true, if what the enemy were trying to do is true, then here's what he would have us believe, that Jesus Christ did not come into the world. And if he didn't come into the world, then we'd have no New Testament. And without the New Testament, here's what that would mean. There'd be no John 3.16. Instead, we would say, for God did not love the world enough to send his one and only son, but instead all humanity will perish and never know eternal life. There would be no Romans 6.23. Instead, we would say, for the wages of sin is death. And the consequence and the penalty given by God is eternal condemnation forever and ever. There would be no Mark 10.45. Instead, we would say the Son of Man did not come to seek and save that which was lost. And countless people throughout our world are living in that lie that Jesus Christ did not come to save us from our sins. And yet the greater reality is that throughout the world, throughout the world, countless throngs of people rising up from the dust of a handful of followers in the time of Jesus' life to now one-third of the world's population who confess the name of Jesus Christ. Every, all around the world, every December 25th, people rise up and they celebrate and they give gifts to each other and they hang stockings and they tell their kids about Santa Claus. Why? Because on that day, Jesus Christ did come. He did enter into human history. He did squeeze himself into, a God squeezed himself into a, a human flesh, into the form of a baby. He did come. And that's what we celebrate. And that's why we live. And that's why we gather. That's why there's church. That's where there's saints. That's why there is St. Petersburg and St. Paul. That's why there is St. John's. That's why there are universities. That's why we have life. It's because he did come into our world. The question is not, did he come and change the world? The question is, will you let him change yours? You see, when the Magi came, and they came and worshipped, and verse 12 says, having been warned, they returned to their country by another route. They said, I cannot go back the same way I came. It's a picture of our lives. When they come and we encounter the living God, we cannot remain the same. Jesus Christ came to not only change the world, but he came to change your world came to the one who feels like I need to run so far. I, I, I've, I've, I've made so many mistakes in my past. And here you are. You're on Christmas Day running and running and running as fast as you can away from your, your past. But somehow it keeps on catching up to you. Jesus says, I came to change your world forever and ever and ever. 
He came for the person who feels like your family is falling apart and you feel like there's nothing that you can do about it. He says, he came for you. He came for you and your family. He came to make that which is broken right. He came to fix our broken lives. That's why he came. He came to the one who's depressed and feels like there's no hope. And and why is everyone so happy on Christmas Day except for me? I have no reason to be thankful. I have no reason to be happy. Jesus says, I came for you. I came for you. For the one who feels like, yeah, other people get it. Other people are feeling it. Other people are understanding it. But why can't I? Jesus says, I came for you. I came for you. I came to change. I came to bring about that transformation that you need. To the one who feels like, I've been trying, I've been trying, I've been trying for all these years to change, and I can't do it. I can't do it. Jesus says, come to me, and I'll change you from the inside out. Right? This is the one who came. This is the child whose birth was sung about, was foretold hundreds of years before he came. This is the one whose, whose birth was witnessed by members of all of creation, because all of creation was longing for him to come. And all of creation waits for him to return and to set this broken world right. And until he comes... The coming of Jesus Christ into our world says not only is our world forever changed, but in your life, if you will let him, the fingerprints of Jesus Christ will be all over it so that you will never be the same again. You will never be the same again. You'd open up your heart to him. It says, for all who would, for all who would, I will come and I will do in you a work that could never be done apart from me. This is why he came. He came for you. He came for me. He came to fix our broken lives. Let's pray together. Just take about 30 seconds. Just reflect on God's word. Again, whether you believe in him or not, that's okay. It's okay right now. But if you just take a moment just to think about what was spoken. That these things that have happened in history are not my opinion, but these are verifiable realities. That you could see how these things would not be without Jesus Christ. And then think about the claim that Jesus Christ would make on your life. For about 15, 20 seconds, let's just think about that. And then I just want to lead us in a time of of prayer and, and invitation. I'm not sure where, again, uh, everybody is today, but as all of us close our eyes to pray or or just listen and and reflect and meditate, maybe some of us are here, maybe one of you, two of you, three of you are here, I don't know, Um, but you've come into this place and you come in with the weight and baggage of your past or the weight and baggage of present failures or hardships. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, not only to come into the world, but he lived the perfect life. And then on the cross, he died for your sins and for mine. And for everyone who would believe in him, he will forgive us of all the things we've ever done and make us pure. Adopt us into his family. Give us hope for eternal life. And he'll begin to work on us and change our present lives. I don't know where you are in your relationship with God. But if there's anyone in here who feels like, you know what, DL, I need Jesus in my life. This is my first time at church. This is my hundredth time at church. doesn't matter. 
but I need Jesus in my life to save me and then to change me from the inside out. I won't feel bad if there's no one like that here, but maybe there is, and I just want to offer this invitation for you to come and to give your life to Jesus. I'm not going to make you stand up or come up here or say anything like that. Just If there's anyone like that, if, if you would just in the quiet of your own heart and where you are, just kind of raise your hand so I could see you so that um, I can pray for you in my heart and we can pray together, talk to each other later. Anybody like that, you just feel free to, to raise your hand. Okay, thank you. See you in the front here. Thank you. If there's anybody, anybody else, you're like, you know, I need, I need Jesus in my life. I tried to change on my own, but I couldn't. I need him. Without any coercion, without pressure. Okay, thanks. If anyone else just feel like, yeah, I would like for you, Pastor, to remember me in your prayers. Does anybody like that? There's um yeah just there's a at least a couple of us here who feel like we need to give our lives to Christ and so I'm just gonna pray a prayer over us and and I would just ask for all of us in here if you're a follower of Christ just to believe this in your heart again be reminded of what makes the gospel good and that you would pray that it would be news again to you and for those who may be declaring this for the first time to pray with a sincere heart as you pray this prayer in your heart after me. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for loving us. We thank you that you have changed our world forever and ever and that you're continually working. And indeed, the ripple effects of your life continue throughout the nations. You are powerful enough to do that. And I pray that you'd be powerful enough to do that in me as well. I confess that I have messed up and I've hurt you and I've hurt myself and I've hurt people around me. I couldn't get to you by myself. But I thank you that on this day that we celebrate as Christmas, you sent your son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that you might live a perfect life and die a sinner's death, so that through you I might become clean and pure, a child of God. Would you come into my life, be the forgiver of my sins, the master of my life, and the changer of my days? Help me to be who you want me to be. Change me from the inside out. Thank you for living in me, for allowing me to begin and continue this amazing journey. And for the rest of us, let's just take a moment and and just pray this Christmas day. Father, help me to really be able to, to worship and to celebrate the reason why we celebrate, to remember that Jesus is the cause for all of the celebration. Just for for half a minute before we close, for half a minute, let's just pray to the Lord and, and ask that he would become greater in us, fill us with the joy, the true joy of, of this season and all that he came to be. So let's pray for, pray for a moment and then we'll close this time and continue in our worship through song.
Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you so much that your heart is for every person that you have made to come to repentance and faith in you. And when we do, there is rejoicing in heaven. We thank you for your life, Jesus. We thank you for your death. We thank you for your resurrection that gives us hope. We thank you for your church that is possible only because you came and you gave and you healed and you bound up the brokenhearted. We pray that as we continue in our worship by giving our gifts, our offerings, our hearts to you, that you'd receive glory, that we'd receive joy and blessing. We thank you so much. We love you. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.